Hi everybody, the episode that you're about to listen to has been available for about a week now. Of course, it's only available on patreon.com slash rundownwrestling, but yeah, why didn't, why haven't signed up yet? And why didn't you listen to this a week ago? I mean, I just got one thing to ask you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Troy. Now, NXT 2.0. We're just going to dive right into this thing. I'm not going to go back and watch any of the episodes from the beginning of NXT 2.0 because we're now fully past the black and gold brand and we're into NXT 2.0. Now, this is the first event after uh, Spring Braun Breakening, which a lot of people were saying was the very first, like, truly NXT 2.0 takeover. I mean, it wasn't called takeover, but you know what I'm saying. Now, if you're not watching NXT 2.0, I don't know why you're not, but you should be. Here's the thing with it, right? So the internet will tell you, because they are vastly full of knowledge, that NXT 2.0 is very porny and very sexual, hence the theme song for this episode. And it it is that, but there's also a lot of other good things about this. There are women that are not portrayed in that way, but of course all we focus on is is the negatives, which I don't want to do, okay? Because I like NXT 2.0. I do. I want to focus on the things I like and, of course, make fun of the things that suck or make fun of the things that you can make fun of. Come on, there's a lot there. But here's the the, the deal with this, right? Wrestling and, and female wrestling in particular has always had that aspect to it, and it's, it's going to, and for better or worse. Like, there are still a lot of people that will, you know, make the case of, hey, you know, uh... The women are owning their own sexuality. 
And then there's people that will say that, like, no, no, they're being forced into that. You don't know. And most things are by a case-by-case basis anyways. The biggest thing that you can do is... Sure, it's easy to look at NXT or WWE and say that, like, these people are being told to dress this way or told to make the gay that way. That is not always the case. Then those same people, if they leave NXT or leave WWE, will continue to dress in that same exact way. Or with less. And that's where you're like, well, who's telling you to do that now? But I'm not going to get on a high horse on this thing because I just want to enjoy this shit, you know? I don't want to look too much into it and go, oh, look, there's sexualizing the women or anything like that. It's like, I know that's the, the low-hanging fruit to do. Now, all of that being said, this is still a show on our network. I'm going to make sexual jokes. It's going to be a thing, okay? If you don't like it, don't listen to this shit, all right? But just know that I am forever hovering over this button. Boner. And it's just going to happen, all right? Like, there's nothing I can do about it. My soundboard is literally filled... Whoa. Nice call. ...with drops that are like that, all right? There's nothing I can do about it, okay? My hand just does this stuff, all right? Like, it's the same thing with, like, when I watch women's wrestling. Every once in a while, I'll just be like, oh, shit, my hand's on my dick. It just happens, okay? I'm sorry. But we're here to have some fun, all right? We are. I am, at least. You might not be, but fuck you. Braun Breaker is our NXT champion. Now, he doesn't appear in this episode because Joe Gacy lost to him. Uh, then Braun was attacked at Spring Breakening by two hooded young vets. Sorry, two hooded figures. And these gentlemen put him onto a gothic-looking stretcher, and Joe Gacy abducted him and then left him for dead in the field. So he's still, I assume walking back to the arena at this point so he's not on this episode but Braun Breaker is your NXT champion okay your NXT North American champions Cameron Grimes he's gonna be showing up later your women's champion is Mandy Rose and your women's tag team champions are Toxic Attraction which is of course Gigi Dolan and JC Jane now the Regular male NXT Tag Team Champions are pretty deadly. They do not appear on this episode at all. I don't know why they don't appear on this episode at all. But they exist. With new names even. Kit Wilson and Elton Brand. Elton Prince, sorry. Not Elton Brand. Elton Brand was a mediocre basketball player. No, no. Elton Prince and Kit Wilson. Uh, Hopefully we'll get them in the next episode. Because they are actually entertaining. But in this episode, we're going to focus on some ladies. And I, for one, am happy about that. So, let's get into it. Toxic Attraction arrive. The crowd audibly comes as Gigi, Mandy, and JC walk to the ring. Three women hip-thrusting and grinding in the ring is the best way to start the first NXT 2.0 on this network. Their opponents. First, Roxanne Perez. Now... If you are a fan of independent wrestling or a fan of ROH, 
before it got purchased by Tony Khan, you will know Rock C, who was a very young, very energetic, and very exciting member of the ROH roster. She was a former women's champion, too. This is her now, Roxanne Perez. And I mentioned it before, how big of a fan of Roxy I was, and I was very happy that she got signed, and she's instantly being thrust into a big program here. Her partner is Wendy Chu. Wendy is the former Mei Ying, who was, of course, the head of Tian Shan until Xia Li disappeared and Boa got deported. She also was Karen Q, so you've got two former ROH uh, people who weren't in the company at the same time, mind you, who are teaming up here. Perez points out points behind Toxic Attraction and the whimsical one crossbodies them off the top ropes. So just as at the stage, Roxanne Perez is a top prospect on the promotion. She doesn't really have much of a defined character yet, other than the fact that like she's a newcomer and she's kind of a blue chipper. Wendy Chu is a narcoleptic who wears a onesie. Alright? She has a lot of sleepy time based offense. Uh, I know people are like claiming that they're infantilizing her. They're not. She's just she runs around. She doesn't. She doesn't act like a baby. She acts like somebody who is lazy and just wants to sleep all the time. But they take one look at her. And they're like, she's in a onesie. That means she's a baby. No, it's not. All right. And she's having fun. Clearly, toxic attraction are all sex addicts and simp lovers. They are exactly what they sound like. They're three beautiful women who know they're beautiful, who talk about simps, and who have a bunch of guys fucking busting nuts on them and stuff like that. Like, eh, that's, that's, you know, that's what they are. They are, for lack of a better word, boner inducing. So, Jade starts off in the ring, and Jade, nope, Jane, JC Jane, starts off in the ring and she starts pounding on Perez. She tells Wendy to suck her clit and pins Perez for two. We learn that the main event will be Cora Jade versus Natalia. Fuck me. Dolan tags in and kicks Perez in the ass. Wade tells us it doesn't take any intelligence to squirt somebody in the face. I guess Wendy squirted on Toxic Attraction last week. Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. No. All right. So she was with Super Soakers, but whatever. The sentiment still goes. Jane takes a swing at Chu, but Wendy ducks, and Perez takes her in, and she belly-to-bellies Jane. Wendy hits a handstand elbow, in the corner and spreads her legs in the ropes and births Perez who dives through the bottom ropes to take out Jane and Dolan yep that's just as it sounded like we go to break back from break and we see that uh, this match is indeed for the championship belts did I mention that? this is for the belts uh, Chu is in a ring with Jane. Chu takes in Perez and Dolan takes in. Perez hits a few clotheslines and then a Luthez press. The crowd chants Roxy. I, I guess it still works. As she covers Gigi for two. 
Roxy does a standing backflip, then on the second rotation, twists it into a senton. Yes, that is just as awesome as it sounds. Perez goes up top, but Maddie Rose walks in and grabs Dolan to help her out. Perez leaps them both as they duck under her, and her legs kind of buckled on her landing, but she seems like she's okay. Wendy winds up taking out Rose, and Perez hops on Dolan's back as if she's going to do that stupid fucking, like, Canadian Destroyer type move where she's on the back and, like, flips. But Jane super kicks her, and Dolan pins her for the win and the retention. Legally generic Cherry Pie by Warrant plays, and they celebrate. Wendy attacks the women, but Mandy Rose evens the odds, and they all three stomp on Wendy. Mandy says that Wendy will never look like her. Well, she's Asian, Asian, so yeah, probably not. Perfectly acceptable first match. Nothing really to write home about. Roxy continues to look really good. Wendy Chu is a comedy character at this point, so yeah. I was expecting them to have somebody come out and and help. Oh, I almost said beat off Mandy, but uh, uh, to help kind of even the odds and set up Mandy's next opponent, but that didn't seem to happen. Grayson Waller and Tiffany Stratton go out on a date? Sure. Waller says he needed this after Nathan Frazier beat him. He got distracted by Chase U. Stratton asks who even goes to Chase U, and nobody likes Bodie Hayward anyways. Waller will take on Andre Chase one-on-one tonight? I don't know, he wasn't specific. Roderick Strong is still employed as the Creed brothers walk up. They complain about Roddy helping them beat the Viking Raiders for the for the Viking Raiders' first ever loss in NXT. They say this was a test, and Roddy getting involved tainted the win. They want to face the Raiders again, but with Roddy banned from ringside. Roddy says that they have a new member of Diamond Mine, because of course they do. He says the new member won the Pan Am Games, and is from the University of Minnesota, and since Roddy is from Wisconsin, that makes him like brothers. First of all, no. No, it does not. Roddy, I want to like you because you're from Eau Claire, which is like only 216 miles from where I was born. But come on, dude. Fuck Minnesota. Oh, and by the way, it's Damon Kemp. Because I I cannot go a show without talking about this guy, apparently. Julia says that new members are a group decision. So are we teasing a breakup of the group that's literally released three members since it started? And also, new members are a group decision. There's four of you. One of them is off doing her own thing right now. The other two are you two. And Roddy Strong. Like, there's four members, and you did a vote. How do you break the ties? You fired the other guy you had. Joe Gacy arrives with his hooded disciples. Gacy grabs a mic and tells us that Braun has to face the next chapter of his life all by himself. Gacy says these two guys proved their worth to him and to themselves. A chant of shut the hell up breaks out. Gacy says these are the faces of change. But we still haven't revealed who they are, so the faces of change are hooded figures. 
Gacy says Braun will join his inclusion society. Or else. The segment ends without actually showing the team that signed Joe Gacy. Or that Joe Gacy joined with last week. So, now, I assume this is the Grizzled Young Vets. I assume this is. But it could be anybody. Because it's NXT 2.0. So, it could just be like two random guys that they signed to the PCU with names like Bobby Victor and Billy Race. Did somebody say Andre Chase? No. But your segment is next. Bodie is rubbing Andre's shoulders when Saray shows up. She says, in Japanese, mind you, that she heard that Tiffin Grayson said, and she can't stand them. She wants to tag with Andre Chase tonight. Andre says he has no idea what the fuck she's saying, but Bodie apparently can speak Japanese. Bodie says he's currently enrolled in Japanese 202, and Andre is shocked to learn that they have a foreign language department. Needless to say, they agree to do a mixed tag match later. It is the start of the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament next. We then go to the inaugural Ivy Nile Challenge. It is going to start with a push-up challenge. She tells the PC recruits that if they can't go, they gotta go. And she leads them in doing push-ups. Slowly, more and more of them stand up and leave as she reaches 90 before we go to the next segment. They have the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament participants stand in the entryway. I'll help y'all with this. The tournament brackets are Nikita Lyons versus Ariana Grace. Nikita Lyons, of course, is the former Faithy J, and is who we keep talking about on the main show. Uh, she's been called things like Yam Yam Bigelow and Thidenreich, and many other names. Ariana Grace is the thick daughter of Santina Morella and Santina Morella, I assume. Fallon Henley will face Sloane Jacobs. Fallon is the former AW Dark standout Tesha Price. Sloane is the notorious Mimi. I just can't believe that WWE keeps not hiring independent workers. Roxanne Perez, of course, we know her, will take on Kiana James. Kiana worked for AEW under the name of Christina K. Lash Legend will take on Tatum Paxley. Pax and Lash are the other two WWE-only wrestlers in the tournament. They show 22-year-old Nikita Lyons. Boner. 25-year-old Ariana Grace. Boner. 20-year-old Roxanne Perez. Boner. 24-year-old Kiana James. Boner. 25-year-old Lash Legend. Boner. 25-year-old Tatum Paxley. Boner. 19-year-old Sloan Jacobs. Boner. And 27-year-old Fallon Henley. Boner. The oldest member of the tournament is 27, and the youngest is 19. This is how you build new stars, folks. Henley and Jacobs will be the first match. They tie up, and Henley gets Jacobs in a headlock. So, Jacobs is like a better, hotter, more talented Isla Dawn. And the only reason I, I mention Isla Dawn is because that it's a redhead with the palest skin you can get. Henley is far more tanned and wearing what looks like full-on denim, which made sense as soon as Briggs and Jensen arrive. 
That's right. Briggs and Jensen. BJ and JB. So Fallon Henley is with them. Which explains why she's got denim gear on. Jensen is apparently hurt right now and is out for a month with a forearm injury. Now, his injury is to the right forearm. Vic says that Briggs is helping him with the rehab, and Wade insinuates that Briggs is jerking off Jensen. I wish I was joking. I do. (laughs) Wade says that Briggs has a very defined forearm because of his solo time and says I don't think that he's helping Jensen at all with his arm being hurt we know what you're talking about dude you are talking about a dude jerking another dude off because his arm is broken whoa nice come on Henley dropkicks Jacobs, then uh, punches her, and Henley slaps hands with BJ and JB. Look, if Wade's going to be all sexual and talk about two dudes jerking each other off, I am going to feel free to talk about Sloane's mommy milkers. All right, fair? Okay? Okay. Back over by Henley, and both women go for a face buster and hit the mat. Vic says it's the first round of the Breakout Women's Breakout Tournament. Breakout. Sloan wraps her legs around Henley's face and drives her to the mat. Hot. Jacobs goes for an AA, maybe? But Fallon hits a Shining Wizard for the three. So Fallon is the first to move on. She will face either Ariana Grande, nope, Ariana Grace, or Thicky the Dragon Creamboat. I'm probably going to do that a lot, because when you have a name like Ariana Grace people are instantly going to think your name is Ariana Grande. I'm sorry. Wasn't a smart choice. Legado del Fantasma are with dinner time. Santos is pissed at AJ Galante and Tony D'Angelo. Says you don't get involved in Legado's business and walk away. You get involved with Legado's business and you'll never walk again. He tells Cruz to start the car, which seems appropriate given his name. Alba Fire lights a Daredevil logo, sorry, her name that is out on the ground, Alba Fire, and she will be in the ring next. Cruz goes to start the car and it explodes. I'm kidding. Tony D'Angelo is just standing in front of it. His boys bring Cruz out of the car and beat the piss out of him. They throw him into the trunk of the car, of Tony's car, and they drive away. I could bother to look up what Tony D'Angelo's boys are called, but I don't give a fuck, and they don't mention it. Amari Miller is in the ring, and she is just dancing around. Apparently two months ago, Lash Legend almost broke Amari's fucking neck. So this is her return match. Her return match against Alba Fire. Who did you piss off? Alba Fire is dressed like a post-apocalyptic warrior. Proof that everyone bitching about her changing her name never bothered to actually watch the new presentation because this shit is awesome. They tie up and Alba pulls her down with one arm. Mari hangs on for a headlock and we go picture in picture with the Ivy Nile challenge. And we have moved on to burpees. Because fuck this match apparently. Back into the ring and Miller arm drags her and short arm side effects her for two. Alba straight kicks her 
in the dome piece, which, given the fact that she was out with a concussion, probably not the best thing to do, but then hits another kick for two. Mari fights back and rolls up Alba for two, and Amari trips Alba and kicks her for another two count. Alba headbutts her and drops her with the Fireball Drop, which is just the Widow's Peak, but still, it's a cool name. Alba then goes up top and hits a Senton and gets the win. Look, good match, first and foremost. Good match. I'm going to do something you might not expect here and actually praise Amari Miller, because Amari has a very good look to her, and she has very solid skills in ring. Right now, she's kind of a jobber, but I think that she could very well be a player down the road here. She's got a good look to her. She's got, like, the... She's she's a natural babyface, in my opinion. Alba looks great. The new name works for me. And the look works for her. And yeah. I think that they see some they see some big things in her, which is good because she was great in NXT UK and her being here now they're they're reestablishing her. They're they're bringing her in as like a new character. The match I thought showed both of them very well. And uh yeah, I'm interested to see more. Trick and Mello are live late for work. Yep. But Solo Sokoa locks them out. Like, you dudes are late anyways. You could probably just pretend you didn't show up. Dinner time is with Cora Jade. She asks if Cora is nervous. Cora says she is, but Natalia is not facing off with the same little girl she took pictures with years ago. Or the same girl she DM'd last year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Natalia confirmed Pito? Cora says tonight... She busts Natalia's gate open. Not the way I would put it, but sure, go for it. You you bust Natalia. If it was anybody else, that would be hot, but it's not. Sola Sokoa arrives. The future Joey Uso, I assume, gets on the mic as the crowd chants Solo. Funny enough, Solo is exactly what a lot of the AEW crowd this Wednesday will be doing at home to themselves. Solo. Solo seems to get a little annoyed when the crowd starts chanting Uso, which I completely understand. His name is Solo Sokoa. It's not Solo Uso. He says when he gets a one-on-one shot at the North American title, he gonna win it. Like, what is it with Samoans? Do they just, like, come out the pussy spitting fire? Like, Jesus, this guy is brand spanking new, and he already can go on the fucking mic. Cameron Grimes, uh, Cameron Grimes arrives. Sorry. <clears throat> Cameron <laughs> Grimes. He says that at In Your House, it's going to be Grimes versus Carmelo. And after he retains, Grimes will give Solo Sokoa the next title shot. Solo just kind of fucks off. And Trick chop locks Grimes. And then Mello joins in. Solo keeps walking away as uh, the two men start beating the fuck out of Grimes. And they grab chairs. That's when Solo finally hits the ring and super kicks both men. He goes for a running hip strike into Trick. And then goes for another one on Hayes. But Hayes winds up rolling out of the ring. Solo hands Grimes the belt back. And I'll be surprised if this isn't a tag match next week, playa. 
Yeah, good segment. Like I said, Solo, just natural. He's just a natural. And he's got such a good fucking look to him. It would be nice maybe if the uh, NXT 2.0 crowd could just stick with chanting Solo and not bringing up the Uso connection because he's clearly trying to be his own dude. But, yeah. Trick and Mellow, I mean, one half of the team is really good. The other half is Trick. Uh, Cameron Haha Grimes, always good. Legato del Fantasma, minus Bull Cross, are walking to the car and Electra asks where Cruz is. Santos says, Cruz is always late. Just gonna fly past that comet and just keep going. They then notice that Cruz is gone, and Santos says he knows what this is. He says, I'll make the call. Apparently, anytime you interact with Tony D'Angelo, it just turns into like a bad 80s movie. And it doesn't help any that Santos is essentially like a Miami Vice villain. But apparently a camera crew drove with Tony and his boys because we get to see Santos and Tony talk to each other on the phone. Tony answers and he asks, who's this? And Santos says, it's me. And Tony says, who? And then Santos says, it's me. This goes on for a little bit longer than I anticipated, but sure. Tony says AJ Galante disappeared as well, so maybe they're both in the same place. Tony says if Santos lets AJ out, he'll let out Cruz. He is the Don of NXT. Not the Dawn, but the Dawn. And next week, he's going to break every bone in Santos' body. Santos says, hey Tony, fuck you. I shit you not. They bleeped it poorly, I might add. But Santos Escobar's response was, Hey, Tony, fuck you. <laughs> Tony kicks over the table, and the Chippendales dancers he's with are upset because they were counting money on there. Look, I know Tony D'Angelo gets kind of a bad rap because he is, you know, a mid-card heel. But this was funny. This was entertaining to me. Santos just deadpan telling him to fuck off was great. And <sighs> Tony has that that charisma about him already to just be a fucking prick. So I, I enjoyed it. The segment was funny and it was fun. And it's it's a feud between the mafia and <laughs> between the fucking Mexican mafia too. Like it's just it's it's dumb, but it's fun, man. Tiffany Stratton arrives, looking hotter than fuck. Grayson Waller arrives next, wearing a matching pink outfit. Wasn't anticipating that, that's for sure. But that's a thing. God damn that ass, by the way. Tiffany's got a good one as well. As we come back from break, Nathan Frazier is with dinner time. Aren't there two people in the ring right now? There are, right? Okay. Frazier says he is rooting for Chase U. And I had to question, when the fuck did Andre Chase become a face? Did somebody say Andre Chase? Yes, you fucking tool, I did. Anyway, Zion Quinn arrives and tells Frazier to run it straight. And he will be good. Frazier asks what that means. 
and Wesley pops up saying, Oh, look, another dude who doesn't know what that means. Zion says he already put Wes in his place. Does he need to do it again? And does he need to do it to Nathan as well? And Nathan's like, I just wanted to know what that meant, man. I didn't know if it was like an American thing or something. Wes shrugs, and Nathan's like, anyways, later, guys. And Wes is like, yeah, see you, Nathan. Wes looks over at Zion. He's like, well, you didn't get under his skin, but I'll run it straight to you, straight with you. And so these two will have a match next week. Now, let me tell you, that was a great segment. I don't care what anyone says. That was natural and funny. It didn't feel like a scripted promo. It felt like Nathan Frazier was just allowed to talk. Wesley was just allowed to talk. Zion Quinn came in with a tough guy act, but it fits his character. But their reactions to him were good. Like, Nathan just being like, eh, all laid back and chill, and of course Wesley being laid back and chill because he's fucking high. It was good. I liked it. Andre Chase. No? Nothing this time? Alright then, moving on. Andre Chase and... Uh, somebody say Andre Chase? You dick. Bodie follows Sarayan back, and Bodie asks if she's going to compete in her schoolgirl outfit. She hits her little Sailor Moon amulet, and they walk out, and then as they walk in to the ring area, as the camera cuts, Soraya is now transformed into her ring gear. But apparently being in the vicinity of this thing also transforms you, because she's not the only one. Chase is now in a blue shirt, instead of the red he was wearing before. I don't know the significance of that, but sure. And Bodie, still in a red shirt, now has his shirt cut off showing his midriff and his arms, and his hair is now dyed brown and in pigtails. It might be a wig. He also has cut off Daisy Duke shorts. Chase and Hayward try to figure out what the fuck happens, and then Wade is like, Who's that woman over there? I want to fuck her. And then he realizes that it's Bodie, and he's like, Never mind. <laughs> he literally is like, I thought maybe they got a new cheerleader. And Vic is just like, are you okay, dude? And, yeah. Moving on. Apparently Wade, not a fan of Dick. Good to know, though. It's very good to know. Alright. Uh, Chase and Waller start off. Now, I doubt it's easy to wrestle in his sweater and slacks, so I'll give Andre Chase credit on that, but still, like, the transformation couldn't put him into a better wrestling outfit. They tie up and Andre drops Waller. Uh, Chase gets an arm drag and he does a little dance before hitting a headlock. Grayson tags in, meaning Saray must arrive. Saray then chases Stratton around the ring before they get back in, and Tiff kicks her down. Saray spanks her, nut, and then grinds on her back. <sighs> Sorry, blacked out for a minute there. Uh, before locking in a scorpion hold. Waller runs at Chase, and Chase slaps him in the titty, 
and Andre and Saray both stomp on Grayson and Stratton, and they pose in the ring as we cut to commercial. It's a very independent wrestling thing to do, but that's fine. I normally hate that kind of shit, but because this is essentially two comedy tag teams, I'm not that offended by it, but I could have done without it. Waller and Chase are back in the ring, and Waller drops him with a punch. Stratton takes in, and she does a moonsault off Waller onto Chase. That is a DQ, fuckers. Waller tags back in and hits an elbow drop from the top rope for two. Chase with a fruit roll-up for two. Waller goes for a sleeper, but Andre fights him off. Belly-to-back suplex drops Waller, and both men crawl to their corners and tag out. Saray slaps the tits off Stratton and then dropkicks her. Stratton cuts off the flurry of it with a clothesline, but Saray gets right back on it. Waller gets in a ring, and Chase trips him and then holds him in place on the bottom ropes so that Saray can run and hit the Mayu Iwatani dropkick. Stratton goes back in and hits a twisting splash, which is just a beautiful finisher. But Bodhi blows an air horn to distract her, so she gets up and leaps over the top ropes onto Bodhi, and when she gets back in, Saray hits her with a fruit roll-up for a win. Why? Why the fuck can't we just let people hit an actual move and then pin somebody? It doesn't keep somebody strong to lose to a roll-up. It just makes them look like a fucking moron. Times have changed. Stop ending matches this way. Ugh. Ivory Nile has moved on to lunges with Bulgarian bags, so they just, like, throw Rusev's nuts over their shoulders. She is down to only about four people left, but then one of them drops out. Then another guy goes, so it's only two black dudes who remain. Is it about to rain? Looks like somebody opened an umbrella. Oh wait, that's just Von fucking Wagner's gigantic fucking forehead. He is with Dinner Time and Mr. Stone. She asks about Von beating up Aikamanjiro. Although the way that she says it, she says, you beating up Icky Manjiro. Von apparently then broke Jensen's arm as well. And Icky Manjiro attacks Von Wagner. Because that's a feud I want to see. Official whole, officials hold both men's apart. Awesome. That's what I want to see. Von Wagner versus Icky Manjiro. Ariana Grace is shown pushing out her cleavage, and the Iron Cheek is shown getting ready as well. Toxic Attraction then walk up to Indy Hartwell. She's still here. Careful, ladies. Everyone she gets near gets released. If I was near Indy Hartwell, I'd be doing some releasing as well. Oh, anyways, uh, Mandy says she can't imagine what Indy is going through. Indy says that she has lost everything. Mandy's like, no, bitch. I mean, I can't imagine what you're going through because no man ever leaves Mandy Rose. Cake the Snake gets a jobber entrance, you fucks. And Ariana Grace is shown arriving. Grace has some, like, generic brownish gear on. Like, you might want to get a like some design or some color on that don't change 
the shape of the gear, though, because her ass is out, and she's thick as fuck. She's not as thick as lions, but still. She dick. This match is a dream match for sure. A wet dream match, am I right? Yeah? That's right. They talk of Grace having an MMA background and a judo background. Sure. Nikita smashes into Grace's titties and then deadlifts her, but she only gets about halfway up and hits a weak-ass powerbomb. Good try, but you can't lift all that thickness with one arm. Nikita smashes into Grace's titties and then deadlifts her. Nope, sorry. Grace starts working the arm and locks in an arm bar, but Lions fights back. Nikita gets back up and sends Grace to the corner. She hits a diving elbow and then a side kick. Lions launches her with a release German and then a side kick, and she drops the clam slam for the three. Nikita moves on in the battle of the BBWs. So Lions vs. Henley will be the first matchup of the second round. They're still doing very short matches with Nikita, which I understand because she is very memeable for the fact that she is a beautiful, thick woman. But she is still very green, even though she did work the independence. Grace is, like, even more green. But this this worked just fine for what it was. There was, there was a couple little moments in this, but... All in all, the character work is what's propelling Nikita. And Ariana Grace, fine showing. They both have huge futures, obviously. You, I mentioned it. They're in their early 20s. They'll be fine. Ivy Nile is now on to battle ropes and pull-ups. Edwin Grande, which is finally somebody I recognized, uh, gives up and astounds Nile and another man who I don't recognize. They both do pull-ups with chains around their necks, and then he falls while she keeps going. My god, that woman is tore the fuck up. Cora Jade talks about how she used to write about her dreams of being a WWE diva in her journal when she was in grade school. She used to idolize Natalia, but now she realizes how shitty Natalia really is. Her only dream is to kick Natty's legendary ass. First of all, no, that ass is not legendary. Alexis? Yes. Nikita Lyons, for sure. Natty, fuck no. The Viking Raiders say they respect the Creed Boys for not accepting a tainted victory. But next week, when the bell rings, all that goes out the window. They never taste the defeat in NXT, and they never will again. We also learn that next week, Tony D'Angelo will face off with Santos Escobar. Braun Breaker will return to answer Joe Gacy. But it's time for Natalia to get way too much attention. Cora Jade is facing the boat tonight, which I assume stands for bloated, obnoxious, annoying twat. The bell rings and Natalia, who said she plans to set the world record for fastest victory, decides to just slowly walk around the ring. Wade tells us, well, that record already's gone. They tie up because that's what you do when someone slaps you. Natalia kips up and Cora drags her down. She goes up and taunts Natalia. And we get dueling chance because fuck you, NXT crowd. We learn that Wesley will face Zion Quinn next week, and the other two tournament breakout mag- matches will be next week as well. Gotta say, as a stacked card. Jay jumps over Natalia, and Natty rolls her up, but Jade reverses, and they break off again. Jade hits a Hurricane Rana, 
and then goes for a sharpshooter, but Natalia escapes. Natalia slaps Cora Jade in the ass, hot, and puts her in his surfboard. Jade stands up on Natalia's legs and turns around and dropkicks her. Cora slaps Natalia in the face, jealous, and Natalia goes for a powerbomb, but Jade arm drags her. Jade springboards off the second rope and then hits a running knee to the fucking face of Natalia. She jams a bitch to the mat with a tornado DDT, but only gets a two. Cora goes up top, but Natalia jumps up for a superplex. Jade shoves that cunt off the top ropes, and Jade dives, but Natalia ducks. Natty goes for a sharpshooter, but Jade gets out, and Natalia spears her for two. The crowd are now fully behind Jade. You know what joke I want to make. Natalia suplexes her onto the corner, and her leg hits the ropes, so Natty's going to start working it. Natalia wraps Jade's leg around the ring post twice, and then Natalia tries to put in a sharpshooter around the ring post, but Jade kicks her in her stupid fucking face. Natalia goes back in the ring, and Jade rolls her up for two. Natalia gets hit with a shining wizard, and then a double stomp to the back, but only gets a two. If your leg is fucked up, don't do moves that fully utilize your hurt leg. Jade hits a sliced bread, but only gets two. Point still stands, baby. Jade and Natalia trade pinfalls, and Jade puts Natalia in a sharpshooter. <sighs> Sad. And she does it better than Nisa Bret Hart. A this is awesome chant breaks out, and I begrudgingly agree. Even though that chant is so overdone. Natty catches Cora off the top ropes and puts her in a sharpshooter. Cora almost gets to the ropes, but Natalia pulls her back. She does it a second time, and Cora Jade passes out, just as Natalia starts falling over. So Natalia gets the win, and somewhere, bald FTR is crying into his Bret Hart stuffy. Cora Jade looked really good in this match. It was definitely a coming out party for her, definitely showed the talent that she's got. After the match, Cora Jade wakes up, and Natalia shakes her hand, and gives her a hug as we go off the air. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Natalia. I think we all know that, right? We all know that. But she did a really good job of selling for Cora. From she did a good job of making Cora look good. She gave her a lot, and Cora came out of this match with her star a little brighter. So, if that's what it takes to help her out, then I will sit through an Natalia match. Now, Natalia's already said that she wants to face Nikita Lyons. Sure. If only so Nikita can get a little bit of a rub. But, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see if Natalia shows up here again, but it probably will. Anyway, good, good episode. I enjoyed it. There was a lot of good bright spots. It wasn't this cringy mess that everyone seems to, to claim that it is. Like, it's not as polished as the main roster stuff, obviously, but that's the point of it. It's, it is developmental. People want to sit there and be like, because Nikita Lyons didn't have a five-star classic that she doesn't belong on TV. I don't believe that for a fucking second. Like, you need to go in understanding what you're watching, you know? If you go in expecting that you're going to just 
relax and have a good time, then you're going to relax. You're going to have a good time. Right? If you go in and being like, I'm going to criticize everything about this thing, then fuck yourself. Okay? Me, I enjoyed the shit out of this. It's not the, like, five-star fucking everyone's doing super sonic moves and shit like that. It's a lot of storytelling, but it's a lot of good storytelling, and it's a lot of good booking. And I liked it. Characters uh, are vastly different from each other. Like, you know the characters, and yes, some of them are your, like, the second you look at them, you're like, that's a cowboy, that's a whore, that's another cowboy, that's another whore. I understand that, but you need that sometimes. And you still have Wade Barrett there to help you out with everything in between, and to pop a boner for a body. So, there's that too. Thank you for taking a listen to this, and I'll be back again on the next one. Until then, bye bye